to a better world. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today is going to be a talk about the electoral process here in the United States of America. So interesting to even say that phrase because its meaning in my own ears and heart has changed so radically over the course of just my own lifetime. And uh, since I only turned 39 uh, a week ago, um, I know it's not that long. I'm kidding. I turned 39 for a second time or third. I'm kidding about that, too. Uh, The truth is that uh, the resonance of the phrase, the United States of America, has shifted from being something I have felt uh, at various times delightfully proud about being affiliated with and in the place in which I was born. And there is a sense of uh, well-being about having been born here in what was a uh, initially a rather brilliant and special experiment in freedom, uh, the idea of a republic and a democracy combined, that... Uh, had as its primary tenets freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, and the, uh, you could say, the, the supremacy of people, not governments. And historically, that was a break in a cycle lasting literally thousands of years, with occasional interruptions like the Magna Carta. But overall, the history of civilization, as we rather broadly and somewhat loosely call it, has been a history of ruler over the ruled. So it's been an up-down position, a hierarchy, Not to say that hierarchies then have a place in nature. Surely they do. However, it's one thing to have a hierarchy which supports the uh, lower levels of the holons, if you will, uh, in Ken Wilber speak, or that suppresses what is lower and uh, entertains a bias of what's lower. These are radically different positions. So I'm suggesting that occurred in the United States as an initially beautiful, in so many ways, vision, with its flaws, uh, shall I point those out now, why not, the flaws being very profoundly the attitude of our Constitution and Bill of Rights toward women being uh, lesser, and uh, people of color, or any minority at all, of a lesser position. So you see from the outset, there were some fundamental flaws. A lot of people don't really like to talk about that and shrug it off as just being a function of the times. But the entire idea of having a government founded on freedom of the people and a government for and by the people was a radical break in everything that had gone before that too. 
So why not also include the uh, emancipation of women and of people of color right then and there and do a, a clean new slate altogether, breaking with the past of before, you know, the British rule, the European and, you know, earlier Roman rule, etc. cetera. Uh, but that did not happen. It did not happen. Yet, it could also be said that what we have is the founding documents, texts of this country, this nation, uh, were still far and away a new, progressive, bold step from everything previous to it. And I think we should acknowledge that. However, the aristocracy that this new Constitution and Bill of Rights was seeking to avoid the ascendancy of ascended nonetheless is an aristocracy in the United States. There is a hierarchy which does oppress everyone else that is not in that economic class or social class. And that's what we have today. So, people looking at the current situation, this current state of uh, our electoral process, um, are siding toward a particular candidate because there's really only one, only one on the scene that recognizes the aristocracy and what is happening to us and is calling for a second American revolution, and that's Bernie Sanders. That is, of the two main parties, which parties control the entire conversation, the entire process of electoral politics in this country. And that's not something I personally find favorable. I have been a supporter of third parties almost since I began to vote. And I consider it utterly tragic that these two parties, a duopoly, as it's called, uh, John Hagelin, who ran as presidential candidate in the Natural Law Party, in 1992-96 and the year 2000 called it twiddly d and twiddly dumb i think he was quoting actually ralph nader who also ran as a third party candidate as did ross perot as did gary anderson as is gary johnson in the libertarian party as did rocky anderson in the year 2012 uh, for the justice party which he formed for the express purpose of opposing uh, the duopoly uh, with a much more intelligent and potentially effective type of candidacy, uh, one based on principle and the rule of law, which has seemed to have been marginalized over the course of, oh, a long time. I was going to say years, then I was going to say decades, and now I could probably very safely say centuries certainly one. No, it's really longer. Uh, as has um, Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party, who we had the pleasure and honor of 
uh, having on these airwaves just a matter of a few weeks ago for a second time. She was on also during the 2012 uh, election cycle. And if you go to abetterworld.tv, abetterworld.tv, and put Dr. Jill Stein into the search engine, you can come up with both of those interviews. Just go under Radio Archive, and they are so interesting. She is a wonderful speaker, highly intelligent, and just if you find Bernie inspiring you, if you found Rocky Anderson inspiring you back when I had him on a good handful of times in 2012, along with Ralph Nader, Representative Dennis Kucinich, and others, you will also be inspired by Dr. Jill Stein. So I'm just in this way letting you all know that there are real, substantive, thoughtful, rational, heartfelt, holistic uh, candidates who are true, viable candidates that the country does not know of barely and does not see, certainly does not see or learn about in the current mainstream media. And this is tragic because those airwaves are ours. You wouldn't know it by the number of uh, drug commercials and car commercials and every the insurance commercials and everything else. You would think they were run by, <clears throat> you know, the Fortune 500 companies. Well, they are. They are exactly run and dominated by those Fortune 500 companies. And it's rare to see just a common face like ours on those airwaves. They have their own private biases and agendas, and they run them 24-7. And it does not include a true caring for the people. It does not include, they do not include, the story that we're telling about what it is we want, the kind of government we want to see the kind of government we want to shape, the kind of electoral process that is appropriate for the United States of America. The United States of America has held itself out, done its own PR campaign, saying that it is, we are, the greatest democracy in the world, the beacon light on the hill. Well, not in practice, my friends. Not in practice. <clears throat> Hence, the calling for the second American revolution. I have a, a note here saying, join a million patriots attending the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia. And on this posting on July 25th through 28th, there's a, uh, a great rendering of... <laughs> Bernie Sanders wearing George Washington's garb with his hat, looking very patriotic. It's a wonderful, wonderful image. Uh, let's see if there's any uh, further text on it. No, there's not, but it's, it's a fantastic image, and it really tells so much of the story of what is going on. Now, there are... Uh, 
was uh, let's first before we kind of uh, focus in on some of the details of how this electoral process is not democratic, uh, I want to just do a little bit of an overview. But first of all, I also want to share with you the phone number because this is an opportunity to call in and discuss with me some of what is going on here. So first, a bit of music and the phone number again, 602-753-1860, 602-753-1860. Be right back. 